0: Raise your hand if you have ever been frustrated in your life. Put them up. I want to see them. If you're anything like me, then it may be something that you deal with, a feeling that you feel on a monthly, weekly, or honestly, sometimes a daily basis. But where do these feelings of frustration come from? Why is it important to realize them as they're happening and not necessarily act on them? And how can you lower your frustration so you can actually deal with a situation as opposed to just reacting to something that's happening? That is what we are going to talk about in today's episode. I can't wait to share this with you. Let's get started. Hey, my name is Kimberly Beam Holmes, and this is It Starts With Attraction, where we discuss how to become the most attractive that you can be physically, intellectually, emotionally, and spiritually, or as us insiders call it, the pies. You can become more attractive to others and most importantly, to yourself. We will teach you how. Let's dive in. If you've ever wanted to know what your attractiveness score is, then I have a free guide that you're going to want to go and download. Now, I'm going to tell you that this isn't going to be like those quizzes or surveys or tests that you see online that are like, how hot are you or how sexy are you? Because I think those end up making people feel worse about themselves at the end than ever before. This free attraction assessment guide that I have created is a no gimmicks, truthful and honest representation of how you can assess your Yourself and see the areas of attraction that you feel most confident in and the areas of attraction where you need opportunity for growth. It's not going to be done in a way that makes you feel worse about yourself, but is going to give you real tools and tactics that you can begin to implement after you know which areas you should focus a little more on and which ones you're already slaying. You can go and get your free guide at itstartswithattraction.com. You'll see the opt-in form in the lower right-hand corner, and it'll be emailed to you immediately. I can't wait to hear about your results and your scores and the way that you decide to make some changes in your life so that you can be the most attractive that you can be go and get your free guide at it starts So the other day I came up to my office, which is now a home office in the year of 2020 And I was so excited because my husband was going to stay downstairs for the morning and do his schoolwork down there, which meant that I got the whole room to myself. For me, this is so helpful in helping me to concentrate and focus when I don't hear even just the typing of other hands on a keyboard inside of the same room. So I was really, really excited to have this time by myself. And I really focused on doing some heavy reading of research and different things during that morning time because it would require more of my focus. So I come upstairs, I have my matcha tea that I'm drinking. I'm super excited for this. I get about 30 minutes into it and about one research study in. And all of a sudden, my husband comes upstairs and sits down at his desk. Not only does he just go sit down at his desk, He begins making a ton of noise, talking to friends on the phone, watching stuff online. And I'm over here thinking, what in the world are you doing? What is happening? I was frustrated to say the least. Now, in my frustration, one of the things I could have done would have been to go over there, look at him and say, go back downstairs. I need my quiet and I need my alone time. And actually I, I did first try to do that, but it didn't go the way that I had hoped it would, where I hoped he would respond and say, oh, I'm so sorry. Let me go back down. He had a reason and a purpose that he needed to be up here. There was something that he needed to deal with. And in that moment, there was nothing that either of us could do to change the situation. Here's the thing about frustration. Frustration. Frustration comes from a feeling of unmet expectations. So in the situation that I was talking about, my expectation was complete silence in order for me to do my work. When that expectation became unmet, where now there was someone else, it wasn't what I was prepared for, wasn't what I was expecting. The noise that was in there was not what I wanted at the time. I became frustrated. And this can happen in so many areas of our lives. I use the example with my husband because I believe that real relatable examples help us to learn how things actually happen in our lives. But maybe you see this with your children where you ask them to clean their room or to finish their homework and they don't and you become frustrated. You may see this at work where maybe you're frustrated with peers or with your boss because in reality, at some level, there's a set of expectations that you have of how they should treat you, of how they should do their work, of how you should all work together. And maybe those things aren't happening, but it could even be that you have an expectation of yourself that you aren't meeting and you're frustrated with yourself because of it. Maybe you have expectations to eat cleaner or to work towards a goal that you have for yourself or to be more patient with the people in your lives. And when you don't meet that expectation of yourself, you become frustrated. These expectations that we have of ourselves or even of other people in our lives typically come from any of these following things. It can come from our beliefs and values that we have. It can come from our upbringing, the way we were raised. If you were raised in a house where your parents expected you to have a perfectly clean room all of the time, homework done by 5 p.m., dinner together at 6 p.m., then that was your upbringing that led you to have a certain set of expectations of your own children when you became a parent. It could also be from past experiences that you've had, which could be positive or negative. Maybe you worked at a company that was an amazing culture where everyone was open and transparent, you had a lot of fun together, and now you're in a job where the culture is extremely tactical-based and logic-based and task-focused, and you're thinking, this, I'm frustrated with my job because you're comparing it to something that was so positive. But it could also be where you had a negative experience in your past, where you're saying, I'm never going to be that way. People say this a lot about the way that they were brought up, who say that they are never going to parent the way that their parents parented them. Try and say that five times fast. But there were things that were negative experiences of theirs growing up that they remember their parents doing. Maybe it was the way that their parents spoke to them. Maybe it was their parents never coming to a baseball or football or drama that they were in. Whatever it is, they're saying, I'm not going to be that way because it was a past negative experience that now has set up their expectations. It could be the goals that you have for your life, but it could even be things that other people have held you to that these expectations are coming from. But in all of these things, when the expectations are not met, it leads to frustration, anger, and resentment. We typically, in our frustration, do things like make judgments about other people or tend to act urgently because it is difficult to think logically in the heat of emotion. I know that When I am frustrated driving somewhere, I may not even know the person in the car in front of me, but if they're going too slow or they're letting way too many people in on a busy road, or if they don't stop at the stop sign, then I become frustrated. They have not met my expectations of rules that the law provides for us. And so I become frustrated at that person. Now in that frustration, I don't typically do this, but from that, you see people who get frustrated on the road and then they act urgently and they make judgments about the other person. They end up trying to cut them off or road rage happens, or they use hand gestures to explain exactly how they feel about the person. And it all is stemming out of the feeling of frustration that they have. Now, it can be easier to see it in a situation or an example such as other drivers on the road, but think about this in your own personal life. When have you, out of your frustration, made a judgment about another person because they didn't meet the expectations you had for them that maybe were nowhere near the expectations that they were aware of? Let's go back to the story of what happened earlier this week with me and my husband. When he came upstairs into the office and my expectation had been unmet at that moment, the expectation of the quiet, the solitude, all of that, all of a sudden, no longer there. I made a judgment about my husband as to the reason that he came upstairs. In my mind, I'm thinking he must not think I'm important He must think whatever he has to do is more important than what I'm doing. And I'm making these judgments about what he's thinking, what his motives are, that honestly were nowhere near the realm of what he was actually thinking. Also, he was not aware of the expectations that I had put in that morning it was happenstance that I ended up walking upstairs and there was no one up here. And I realized my husband was going to be downstairs. Earlier that morning, he said he was going to do his schoolwork in the bedroom. And so I said, great, this is my opportunity. But I did not voice to him what my expectation was for that morning. I didn't say, great, because you're going to be down here, I am very much looking forward to having the whole office to myself. I have a ton of reading I need to do that will be perfect for me this morning. I never voiced that to him. He did not know. Therefore, when he came upstairs and I began telling myself a story, I began making judgments on his intentions and motives of coming up there, it led to me becoming even more frustrated. And out of an increase in frustration, we tend to want to act urgently. What I mean by that is we tend to think that we have to deal with the situation right then and there in order to handle it immediately. And more times than not, that ends up causing way more problems than it would if we were to sit back, look at things, take a pause, and then address it in a better way. You can see this a lot. I know I've done it as a parent, but we can see this a lot as parents trying to discipline their children. So maybe you do have the child who didn't finish their homework by the time they were supposed to, and they knew that they were needing to get their homework done by 5 p.m. Maybe they had a soccer game they had to go to, whatever it might be, and they didn't finish their homework and the expectations weren't met. Many parents out of that judgment, they didn't listen to me, they don't respect me, they don't care about their schoolwork. All of these things are the judgments we might make in that moment, which may or may not be true, but typically most of the time are not true. Then we also pair that with wanting to act urgently. Immediately, we begin to say, I'm taking things away from you. You're going to be punished. You can't see your friends this weekend. And we act out of the emotional reaction as opposed to the real end goal that we're seeking. What is that end goal that we're seeking? When we're frustrated, when we have these unmet expectations, what is the end goal that we're seeking? Mm, That's a great question, which we'll get to in just a minute. Typically, when we are frustrated, we lose our patience, we lose our temper, which ultimately leads us to losing our control. You see, with the homework, is it ever really just the homework? Think about maybe a child who doesn't, nope, starting that back over. Think about the situation of the child in the homework. Is it ever really just the homework? Or is it also the fact that this is the fourth time that they haven't finished their homework on time and their grades haven't been the best? And in your mind, you're thinking about your sister's son who has perfect grades, always gets his homework done on time. And you're adding in that layer and layer and layer of expectation to what you wish things would be, but you're frustrated because you don't know how to get there. See, I think that might be one of the biggest keys into are frustrations. Frustration comes out of a combination of the current situation plus past experiences plus future expectations, which equal a desired outcome. And when that desired outcome doesn't happen, it leads to frustration. A few podcasts back, I had Dr. David Matsumoto on, who is a micro-linguistic psychologist. He's done amazing work in human emotion and nonverbal communication and so many fascinating things. I highly recommend you go listen to that episode where we talk about the seven universal emotions. One of the things we talked about in that episode was what was really at the core at each of these seven universal emotions. But there's two I want to focus on today. When we think about happiness what really leads someone to happiness? Well, the driving force behind happiness is actually goal attainment. So when my expectations are met, when I meet the goal that I set out to meet, that is when I feel happy. On the other side of that, goal obstruction leads to anger. So if there is something keeping me from my goal, if there is something keeping me from the set of expectations that I have for how I want things to go, then that is what leads to the feeling of anger. And of course, frustration is a form of anger. So what can you do when you're frustrated? How can you reframe the current situation, the past experiences, and the future expectations to better lead to your desired outcome? I have five things for you to do when you're frustrated in order to help you overcome the frustration, understand the motive behind it, and learn how you can actually still meet your goal, even when there's obstacles in the way. Here is the first thing Ask yourself what is the story that you are telling yourself? This may be the most important thing when you're in the middle of being frustrated. And also probably one of the hardest things to do. There are going to be stories. I use the word stories, but you could also use the word phrases that you say to yourself in the moment that will either fuel your frustration or there could be stories that you tell yourself in the moment that could funnel your frustration. So try to identify where these feelings are coming from. This takes a practice of stopping stepping away and really identifying why you are so frustrated in the moment. For me the other day, my expectation was to be able to work in peace and quiet where I concentrate best. And when that didn't happen, the story I began telling myself was I am not important. If I were important, my husband would see that and he would let me work in silence, which fueled my frustration even more the more I thought about it. But in reality, I have to ask myself, am I fueling my frustration or is there a way I can funnel my frustration to something more productive? So what does that mean? For me, I think about it as an internal funnel where I take that biggest part at the top, the opening, and I start to Pour my frustration into it. And as it's going through, it's narrowing it down to what is the core issue here? What is it that I'm really upset about? And so for me, the other day, I realized in my funneling that the reason I was frustrated is because I felt like I wasn't important, which, if we get to the bottom of it, had nothing to do with my husband and had everything to do with what I was telling myself about what I thought my husband was thinking. But in reality, that's not what my husband was thinking at all. The story I told myself fueled the fire that fanned the flame of frustration when it didn't need to. Number two, pause and think before you react. We all at times feel an intense need to stand up for ourselves and fix things immediately when they happen. But sometimes the problems that we create are a direct result of our imagination. Let's go back to the kid not cleaning their room. We want to fix it immediately. We want them to obey us immediately. And I'm not saying that they shouldn't, but What I am saying is let's pause and think about what we are going to say and why we are going to say it to make sure that it leads to the end result that we really want. I knew a mom who was always on edge with her children. Every single thing that they did, she was correcting or reacting to them. And she was so frazzled. If they didn't put the cereal box back in the pantry just right. She was stepping in, telling them they needed to do it better. If they didn't pick up every single piece of their toys and put it back in the exact right spot, she was freaking out, losing her mind. And hear me, I am not saying that we should not teach our children in the way in which they should go. We should. We should discipline them, teach them. But the manner in which we respond to them when they don't do things the way we expect them to is going to shape the way that they will continue to respond to us as they grow up. This isn't just true with children. It's true with our relationships with other adults too, but I'm going to explain it in the relationship with children because we can typically see it easier. Many parents, including me at times, are more reactive in their responses than proactive. So instead of setting the expectations on the front end, saying, this is how we put it in, try and do it yourself, and then praising for when it's done right, we end up becoming reactive. And we see when they don't do it right, as opposed to foreseeing how to teach them to do it right, we wait and we react to when they don't do it right. It disheartens children, it's, it makes it to where children end up doing what you say, but only so they can avoid your reaction, not so that they can actually learn how to do it the right way. The motive is, is off. And then as soon as that mom or dad who's very reactive and wanting them to do it a certain way, as soon as they're not there, if they're gone or at work or there's a babysitter, the children aren't going to keep doing those things. They're only doing it in order to avoid the reaction from the parent, not because they actually learned a behavior change. Now, the same thing in a way can happen with adults. If I do not take the time to pause and think before I react or decide how I'm going to handle a situation, then it could be that I just become reactive. Take the situation with my husband. If I were to say exactly what I was thinking and feeling in my moment of frustration with my husband of how I felt like he was selfish or how could he or whatever it might be, then over time, he's going to learn to simply react to my reaction. So he may avoid doing things that he believes will make me angry, but his motive is going to be to avoid me not because his motive is to do the things that are best for the relationship. It's the difference in an approach motive and an avoidance motive. So he may not come up those stairs and sit down because he doesn't want to hear the wrath of Kimberly. And that could work. I would end up getting my end result, right? But do I really? Because is it really my end desire for my husband to want to avoid making me mad? Or would I rather have my end desire being having a strong and healthy relationship? If that's my true end goal and desire, then instead I want my husband to have an approach motivation, wanting to do things out of his own will that he knows would make me happy. So in that sense, I would instead rather have my husband not come up the stairs because the thought is, I know she wants the alone time and I want to give that to her. Not, I want to avoid making her mad. That is what leads to a huge difference in relationship satisfaction. Now, there may be times right now that you're thinking of in your mind where you're saying, oh my gosh, I have been that mom or that husband or that wife or that dad that has just been reacting and expecting the other people in my life to fall in line and do as I would want them to do. Well, guess what? Now that you know, you can change. There's always time to change. It takes work. It takes intention. It takes practice, but it's absolutely doable. You may be thinking, but I am in a relationship with someone who's like this. I'm I'm the one who's trying to avoid the wrath. I'm the one who's trying to just make sure I do whatever I can so they don't get frustrated with me. And that is a really hard place to be. If your relationship is in a spot where you can have this conversation, then it would be great to be able to say, listen, I do want us to have a great relationship and I want you to be happy. I don't want you to be frustrated, but sometimes I don't know what your expectations are. And if I don't know what they are, then I'm not able to try and help you meet them. Come at it with your spouse in the terms that you are on the same team. When you begin to speak to your spouse and even think about your marriage or your relationship in a way where you're seeing yourselves as two players working together to win the game, everything changes as opposed to seeing yourself as on opposing teams and you're trying to win or they are trying to win and you're constantly fighting each other. Even that small mindset shift can make such a huge difference, which leads to point number three which is to see it from another point of view. When you're in the feeling of frustration, your child didn't make the bed, didn't finish their homework. Your husband walked in, in the middle of you trying to work in a silent room, try and see it from another point of view. You may ask yourself about the story you're telling, but the story that you're telling yourself about this person, is it really true that that's what they're thinking? That's what I had to ask about my husband, right? he doesn't care about me. He doesn't think I'm important. Is that true? No, that wasn't true. In my frustration, I could convince myself that it's true, but our minds do an amazing job of trying to justify and convince ourselves of many things that are not true. Cue worry, anxiety, and fear, right? We can be wired to go down the worst case scenario rabbit trail in our minds, or we can begin to actually to rewire the synaptic wiring in our brains, the neural firings that happen in there in order to see things more positively. So ask yourself, this story that I'm telling myself about what the other person might be thinking of me, what their motives might be in this moment. Is it true? Or maybe it is is the story I'm telling myself about this situation as a whole. Is it true? Or maybe it is, Is the story that I am telling myself about myself true? Is it true that I'm lazy? Is it true that I have no self-control? I'm sure there are other areas in your life That you have amazing self control, or you have had amazing success and results, or you have had amazing impact on other people's lives. But we tend to have this always or never thinking, right? Where either I do it everywhere in every area of my life, or I'm a complete failure at it in every area of my life. But when you start to ask yourself the question, is it true? You'll begin to gain, first of all, more insight into other situations in the past where it in fact has not been true. But number two, you'll begin to realize that maybe your pattern of thinking needs to change. So when you try and see it from another point of view, is it true? Is it not true? Would your best friend agree with you and say it's true? Would your mom say that it's true? Would your husband say that it's true? Would your biggest cheerleader in the world, would they say that this is true? It can help you gain perspective. Number four, decide if it needs to be addressed and if it needs to be addressed now. So many things in life would do better by waiting to address them after a good night's sleep And when the timing is right, it never fails. Every time something happens in my relationship with Rob that frustrates me, whatever it might be, and I decide to address it immediately in the moment, I know in my gut, I know it's not going to go well, but I convince myself in my mind, no, I've got to do it now. It can't wait. Right now is the moment. And then I do it never fails. It always goes poorly. We end up fighting. It ends up being terrible. If I would have just waited, gotten a good night's sleep, seen it from another perspective over those couple of hours and really done the things that I've talked about so far, realized what the core issue was, what was it that I really wanted to communicate as my end goal, then the conversation would have gone so much better. Not only that, but when we actually separate from a situation for a period of time, we may see it differently. The other person is going to see it differently. Every time I have waited a day or two or even a week before I went back to Rob and mentioned something that may have hurt my feelings or upset me, every single time the conversation has gone leaps and bounds better. Now, there may be some things where you need to correct it in the moment. If your child is about to run out in the street, you need to stop that in the moment. You can't wait for that to be later. There's definitely wisdom and judgment that comes in here. And of course, for younger children, they need to know what it is that you're correcting and what it's being related to. So the the more you compare those things together, the better. But I'm not just talking about a parenting principle here. I'm talking about with adults, it's different. Your boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife, significant other, whatever it is, they are not a child. And so often we treat our significant others like we would treat our three-year-old. That doesn't lead to healthy relationships. Take time to decide if this is a battle that needs to be fought, if this is something that needs to be addressed. And if you do decide that it does need to be addressed, then ask yourself, what is your end goal? When you bring it up, first, do it in a way that the timing is right, that you don't use a defensive tone or an attacking tone, but ask yourself, what is the end goal I want to have for this conversation? Is it just that you want them to know they were wrong or something similar to that? conversation is probably not going to go very well. Whereas if your end goal is, I want us to understand each other. I want to gain another an understanding of what they were thinking. I want to be able to share what I was thinking and feeling. And I want us to find compromise in this. Then that's a great goal that is beneficial to the relationship. Maybe with a teenage child, you make the goal of connection. I want to understand them. I want us to be able to connect. I want them to feel like they can trust me then that's going to guide your conversation, even when you're talking about something that frustrated you in a way that is going to be more conducive to a healthy long-term relationship. In our culture, we want instant gratifications. For me, more times than not, when I instantly air my frustration with a person without taking time to disconnect and process it, it leads to instant ramification. More often than not, the other person ends up becoming defensive, upset, hurt, and it leads to damage in the relationship that every time I wish I had just not said anything. The fifth point is to respond with love, kindness, and respect. I believe timing and tone is everything when you are going to have a difficult conversation with anyone that you love or at least anyone that you want to treat with respect, which honestly should be everyone. But responding with love and kindness and respect is something that unfortunately is not practiced enough this day and age. To be frustrated and to air your feelings of frustration in a way that is conducive to a healthy relationship means that there's a lot of listening, a lot of empathy and a lot of doing the hard work of being humble and selfless. I said selfless, not selfish. Too many times we enter the conversation already having our opinion set about another person, even though we've never taken the time to ask what they might have been thinking or feeling. When we take the response of loving, kind, and respectful, communication and conversation with the other person, then we really are going to seek to understand them. Seek to understand more than to be understood. We're going to have empathy in the situation. We're going to listen maybe even more than we speak and even being willing to realize where we may have done wrong in the situation. And this doesn't mean that you don't address things, but it's how you address these things that matter. If it's your child, then sitting them down and looking at them in the eyes when you speak to them, as opposed to yelling at them across the house, shows that you value them. You can still be stern and loving without being emotionally irrational. Or if it's with another person, If you do decide that this is something that needs to be addressed, then make it a priority to do it in a way that is important by calling them or seeing them face to face or sitting them down. Please don't have difficult conversations where you're going to talk about how you might have been hurt or how you felt through text message, because there are 8,000 different ways that you can misread a ton of things that people say. If it's important enough to talk about it, then it's important enough to talk about it with your voice, and ideally face-to-face. And that same principle applies with a significant other or your best friend or your parents or your sister or brother. Put down the phone and look at them. Show them that they are important enough to have this conversation with them. And if you decide that it doesn't need to be addressed, And that your frustration was the product of your own issues. Like me the other day, where I was saying, he doesn't think I'm important. Well, in reality, there's a lot of things here. Number one, I never asked him to not come upstairs. Number two, my frustration was a direct result of how I felt about myself. It really had nothing to do with Rob in that moment. And it had everything to do with me. So, would it have done any good for me to go to him later and say, hey, you came upstairs, I was wanting peace and quiet. I mean, to some extent I could have the conversation of just in general, I work better in more quiet. Can we start looking at how I can have the office a couple of hours a day with no one else up there? Sure, but I'm not gonna harp on that specific scenario because it wasn't his fault. It was actually my fault for number one, not expressing my expectations on the front end. And number two, for allowing myself to tell a story about my husband and allowing that story to continue in my mind. I should have never entertained the story because it wasn't true. Another thing here that I want to add is also I've seen so many times with people at work or friends where someone may do something one time and it's totally out of character for them. So maybe someone's sister who's always early, always on time, and then one time they completely forget about a coffee date and don't show up at all. And yeah, you could be frustrated about that. But take the summary of experiences in mind with this. Is this really something that you need to sit down and have a conversation with how you feel that you've been hurt and how you're frustrated? Or is this a one-time event? Because if something happens that's not in line with a person's typical character, then it may honestly just be worth giving them a free pass and forgiving them and moving on. It's when things become chronic. If your child one time doesn't do their homework, but they are an A student, they do everything on time typically, it hasn't happened before, then it may not be worth having a huge sit down conversation that ends up making them feel self-conscious and like they've done something wrong that's going to put more pressure on them in the future. It may just be a one-time thing. You have to take all of those things into consideration if you're thinking about approaching someone. But if you do decide that this is a topic that you need to address and you want to talk to the person about it, then be sure that you tell them how you feel. Starting with those feeling statements is perfect, but don't assume that they know. Don't assume the other person knows what they did. They don't. They never know. (laughs) How many times has someone come to you and told you about how they were hurt of something you said or something you did and you had no idea and it was not your intention at all? Assume the best about the other person. And enter into the conversation assuming that they don't know what they did. That will help you to be calmer when you're having the conversation and also to be more forgiving of what happened as well. And remember that it isn't fair for you to hold something against someone when they don't even know what they did wrong. You need to have uncomfortable conversations, but it is what leads to comfortable and healthy relationships. And my final tip, which I already mentioned, but I'm going to highlight even more here is to really assume the best about other people. It will help you to treat them better. Think about them more positively. And honestly, it just leads to a better life. So here are my key pies takeaways from today's episode. Number one, frustration is a result of unmet expectations. Your current situation plus your past experiences plus your future expectations equals your desired outcome. And when that desired outcome doesn't happen, it is very normal to feel frustrated. Number two, to have healthy relationships, including the relationship with yourself, you need to pause and think before you react. Be sure to ask yourself, what is the story that you are telling yourself about this other person, about you, about the situation that you're in? It will give you clarity and insight as to why you feel the frustration that you feel. Remember to pause and think before you react. Remember to see it from another point of view and always ask yourself, is this true? Remember to decide if this is something that actually needs to be addressed. And if so, does it need to be addressed right now? Because most of the time it can wait. And also to respond with love, kindness, and respect, no matter what. Those are the five key points that I took you through during this episode of how you can handle and overcome your frustration and funnel it in a way that is going to be more productive, not only for you, but for the relationships in your life. And the third key pies takeaway is to assume the best about other people. And in addition to that, assume the best about yourself. Believe that you can do the things that you keep telling you yourself you can't. Believe that you are important. Believe that you do have it in you to take on this next goal or overcome this next hurdle that you're up against. But also believe that about the people that are in your life. If you have taken the time and the energy to invest in your friends and your significant other and your family, then take the time to invest in believing the positive things about them as well. Go get your free attraction assessment at itstartswithattraction.com. In this assessment, you will be able to self-assess yourself in all four areas of attraction to see the areas in which you could use the most growth and to identify the areas that you are already slaying it. Go get your free guide at itstartswithattraction.com. Friends, I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Remember to go and subscribe to this podcast and leave an honest review. I love to hear from you guys. So be sure to go and do that. And it will also help more people find the podcast as well.